thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We'll be in Luke 19 uh, for most of this morning. And we've been talking about Jesus a lot. Obviously, that's a good thing to do in worship. But our focus is on the life of Jesus, the things Jesus did. So this morning, I thought we would look at someone whose life was impacted by Jesus. And learning from this person to see how we can change our lives too. See, people who met Jesus, if they were open to him and they accepted him, their lives changed as, their, as a result. And there was a man who understood that, um, that maybe, not, I'm not going to say more than others, but he understood that and made a definite change that we can learn from. Several years back, I would say, oh man, I was probably in my first year our first two years of ministry, a full-time ministry, and I was um, assigned to speak one of the lessons at a camp, and they assigned me Zacchaeus, and uh, I was a little offended at first, saying, so you picked the shortest guy possible to speak about Zacchaeus, so this time I thought I'd beat everybody to the punch. And I'll choose to speak on Zacchaeus when I want to speak about Zacchaeus. But um, so here we are looking at the story of Zacchaeus, a man who definitely changed his life because of, of meeting Jesus. So we'll read just the first four verses of Luke 19. It said, He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. I like that. Uh, I like reading about someone that I can relate to. Um, uh, my whole life, I've struggled with seeing things that other people could see. Uh, if we're at an event, I feel like sometimes I have to stand up to see over the person in front of me. But then I have to remember that now the person behind me can't see. So there's really a lose-lose situation being short sometimes. But I love this, that this man named Zacchaeus desperately wanted to see Jesus. This next verse actually goes on to say in verse 4, So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So the first thing we can see is Zacchaeus did all he could to see Jesus. At this moment, Zacchaeus, he had heard about Jesus. Uh, Jesus was gathering crowds at this point, rather large crowds. And Zacchaeus, I imagine, said, I want to know more. There's this man named Jesus. Everyone's talking about Jesus. Everyone's talking about the, the miracles and signs he's doing. They're talking about the things he's saying, the authority of which he speaks. And I'm a pretty powerful guy, but this guy seems to have a lot more pull than I do. I want to see what this Jesus is all about. And he went out of his way. Uh, I like it says, you know, it... it Gives us this insight saying he couldn't see him. I couldn't see through the crowds because he was too short. And we almost overlook this next phrase. So he ran on ahead. 
We always talk about him climbing a tree to see Jesus, but we almost, maybe not almost, we do skip over, he ran ahead. And I didn't pick up on this until I was studying for this lesson all those years ago uh, and looking at the story of Zacchaeus, and I thought, so he, he planned it. He didn't just say, oh, I can't see. Let me push my way through the crowd or let me see a tree that's maybe behind me or in my, in my immediate vicinity. He planned it. And, and for me and for, for him to have went on ahead, it meant several things. He had to see at least which direction Jesus was moving in, see the path the crowd had formed for Jesus to walk. And he ran ahead of the crowd Climbed in a tree ahead of the crowd, knowing Jesus is now going to pass by me. I may not be able to get to Jesus right where he is. And if I climb right where I am, by the time I get up the tree, Jesus is gone. So Zacchaeus didn't just halfway do it. He decided, I'm going to make sure I see Jesus no matter what. So he ran on ahead. He went out of his way to see Jesus. And I have to ask, and I'm not sure if this is why we are given this story. I don't think it is. But I think it's worth thinking about. What's preventing you from seeing Jesus? For him, physically, he couldn't see Jesus because of his height. Now, he also needed to be open to Jesus for the way he was living. So I ask you, well, what things in your life prevent you from seeing Jesus. Obviously, it's not going to be your height. It's not going to be your eyesight. Because uh, for us, we don't have Jesus here physically with us. He's not walking around today. But what in our lives, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's friendships. Maybe it's other relationships. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a struggle. Maybe it's a trial you're experiencing. But what right now is an obstacle for you seeing Jesus and finding out what he's all about. You might be thinking, well, I don't, I, I don't know any of them. Well, we all have things that come between us and Jesus. And maybe not seeing Jesus, because you're here, you're saying, well, I'm here, I'm invested. I read my Bible, I pray, I come to church, I come to worship. Well, what about this? What's preventing you from desiring to see and know more about Jesus. Because you, you can say a lot of things about Zacchaeus. You can say, well, he was a chief tax collector. He stole from people. He was living in sin. He was hated. He was a thief. He did this. He did that. But you can't deny the fact that he desired Jesus. He didn't say, oh, he's coming to town. I can't see him. Oh, too bad. He, he didn't do that. He didn't say, oh, I want to know more about Jesus, but... I just, there's too much in the way. There's too many things I have to change. No, he went out of his way. He made the effort. You can't say Zacchaeus showed lack of effort. In fact, he was one of the people we see most who probably had to do a whole lot of work and do the most to interact with Jesus. You know, we have the people who dug a hole in the roof. We have the lady uh, with, the, with, the, um, with the blood issue who forced her way just to touch the cloak. But there were these few individuals we read about who just weren't part of the crowd, but who found a way and went out of their way to encounter Jesus. Let's keep reading in, in verse 5. 
In Luke 19, starting in verse 5, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, so Zacchaeus planned well, he found a tree that was along the path, and it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. We love that verse. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. But in context, he's, in this moment, he is definitely talking to Zacchaeus and about Zacchaeus and the change Zacchaeus made. But we have to understand that in this moment, Zacchaeus is in a tree. Jesus calls to Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus answered the call. I think this is really funny, and Wiley and I were discussing this on the phone a couple of days ago, that uh, Jesus invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And uh, I was thinking about this just uh, last night. How many times has, have you, or maybe someone else to, to you, but do we like it when people just invite themselves over? It's one thing to say, oh, hey, let's go out to eat and plan like an evening together. But if someone were to call you and say, hey, you're making me dinner. I'll be there in five minutes. You're like, well, hold up. Today's not a good day. <laughs> Zacchaeus could have been like, oh, Jesus, my house isn't clean. I'm not ready to host anyone today. Can we, can we get together tomorrow? No, but Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. And then it's very evident that that happened because one, I love this in verse seven. I'm sorry, verse six. He came down, not just, oh, he climbed back down. It said he hurried and came down. So he was really excited. And it said, and received him joyfully. He was happy about it. Many of us are happy about answering the call of, of Jesus. Sometimes you might say, well, I know I'm supposed to obey Jesus and follow him and live a certain way, but sometimes we do it with a bad attitude. In our class on Wednesdays with our teenagers, we're looking at spiritual disciplines, and, and I've asked the kids about this. It's doing what the right thing at the right time, the right way, with the right spirit. And I said, which one of those is hardest? They're all hard. But a lot of us were talking about, man, that, that right spirit is really hard. I can do the right thing at the right time in the right way, but I can do it with a bad attitude. And if I'm doing it with a bad attitude, then I have something I need to fix in my life. But here, you can't, you can say a whole lot about Zacchaeus. You can say, he's not living the right way, and he's definitely not doing the things in the right, in, in, with, in the right way, and he's definitely not doing the right thing. But he has the spirit. And that's the start. That's the beginning of this story for Zacchaeus and the story of his change. And we see these three calls that we'll look at this morning. And I hope you can read it. It might be too small. But there'll be the call to meet with Jesus, the call to make a change, and then the call to dedicate his life to Jesus. Those are those three calls that he answered. The first one is, is pretty evident the call to meet Jesus. 
Jesus said, I'm coming to your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and received him joyfully. He was ready. The purpose, remember, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, it said that there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. He was very rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. So not only was his plan just to see who Jesus was, maybe I can get a glimpse of some, some sign he does. Maybe I get to hear something he says that's, that'll, you know, that'll change my life like everybody's saying. But at this moment, man, I get some one-on-one time with Jesus. And he was excited. Are we excited when we get to spend one-on-one time And I know for us, we're saying, well, I don't get to sit down and have a meal with Jesus. That would be really cool. I I envy some of these these individuals who live with Jesus because they got to eat and spend time with him and sit at the feet of Jesus. But sometimes I forget, man, we have the whole picture. We get to know everything he did, and we have the scriptures for us to spend time with Jesus. By reading the scriptures, by spending time in prayer, by spending time in meditation. All of those things are so important, but sometimes we say, today's just not a good day for that. I know I'm supposed to read my Bible, I know I'm supposed to spend time in prayer, but today I was just too busy. I imagine Zacchaeus, he could have said, man, I was just here to watch you walk by and maybe catch something amazing. But I got taxes to do. I'm a chief tax collector. I'm not just some normal tax collector. I'm on top. I got people working for me and people who work for them. And I'm over all of it. I'm too busy today. Look, can we eat later? He could have reacted that way. But we see him receiving him joyfully. And then I don't know what happened here. Um, There must have been some time that passed. I don't think this was an immediate reaction. Because um, we do see, he hurried down, received him, and the people saw Jesus and Zacchaeus going into Zacchaeus' home. And they were, uh, they were angry. How dare Jesus eat with such a man? Zacchaeus was well known. They hated Zacchaeus. In fact, tax collectors were one of the most hated people there were. So you, what made tax collectors so, I guess, I want to call them, they were scammy. They were scammers. So you had the chief tax collector was over all these other tax collectors. And let's say they know they had to take a certain percentage. Let's just make up easy math. 5% of everybody. Everybody had to pay 5%. It was a, I'm sure it wasn't flat, flat rate, but let's just say it was. So everybody had to pay 5%. And the chief tax collector had to pay that five, had to collect that five percent and pay it back to the Roman government. Well, he wanted to make some money, so we know, uh, like from history, they would have these weights on the back of the scales to make the scale unbalanced, so they would get more money and be able to pocket the difference. Well, the chief tax collector say, "Hey, I want to make an extra two percent on everybody's transaction." So he would do that, but the people who worked under him. He would say, I need 7% because I have to pocket two. But if you charge more than that, you can keep the difference. So what would happen? The people beneath the chief tax collector would charge maybe 10%. So they got to collect so much, and then they could pay Zacchaeus so much, and Zacchaeus could pay the government. So the further down you went, the more you were being charged because the guy at the top had to make his cut. So they knew that was going on, but they just couldn't do anything about it because how else are you going to pay your taxes? You have the tax collectors, 
So there was this huge scam. And, they, and so Zacchaeus was rich because he was benefiting off of this payment scam. You can almost even say a py- the, the original pyramid scheme. So here he goes, and he's very rich. And there has to have been some discussion between 7 and 8. For 7 and 8. I imagine they are eating, and Zacchaeus and Jesus are having conversation. I, I would like to believe that Jesus was very frank with Zacchaeus. We know from other passages, Zacchaeus, sorry, Jesus didn't hold back. He, he, he would correct, but he would correct in love. And that, and, but something, some discussion had to have happened. Because in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood. Now, where's, no, they're at home. He's not standing in front of everyone outside who's com- complaining. But he's standing up to make this proclamation, almost this commitment. This commitment to change, you could say. And he says, Behold, Lord, so he's addressing Jesus, the half of my goods I give to the poor. What would have prompted Zacchaeus just from having a meal? Well, I think that discussion that we, that we don't have recorded. But he says, I'm going to give half of my goods to the poor. And I'm going to give 50% of my income to the needy. That's impressive. But then he goes a step further to this commitment to change. And he says, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything. Well, that's not a big if. That's more of like, okay, I know I've defrauded people. I mean, that's what tax collectors did. But he says, if I've defrauded people of anything, I won't just pay them back. I won't just pay them back double or triple. I'll restore it fourfold. That's a, that's a big change. For a man who prided himself on his wealth, for a man who prided himself on his status of having all of this stuff, he says, I'm going to give half of it away, and then all those people that I've, that I've scammed, I'm going to pay them back four times what I stole from them. Did he have to? I mean, if he had just paid them back, would that have been right? Sure. Would that have made it? I mean, would that have been just? Sure. If he said, hey, I want to pay them back double, would that have been proper? Well, sure. It's like he's saying, no, no, I'm going to go out of my way. So I know that I'm making this right change. I have to make up for what I've done. I've lived this, this wrong life, and now I'm going to completely turn around and live in a way that honors God, in a way that honors Jesus. And then this next part, this call, he answered the call to dedicate his life to Jesus. We don't see him now. I mean, we don't see a statement saying, I'll follow you now forever. We don't see a statement saying, now I'll change my way of living. Although that's kind of what he did in verse eight. We don't see uh, any statement saying, and he followed Jesus. But here's what we do see. Jesus saying, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus wouldn't have said that unless Zacchaeus completely changed his life and answered that call to live like Jesus. He says, today salvation has come. Today you have made that change, and we should be happy for it. And then in verse 10, because I came to seek and save the lost. He's talking about Zacchaeus and others, but he's saying, you were lost, and now you've made that change that's necessary. Again, remember, this is, this is pre-death. So this is pre-all of the other things that we need to do. But he's saying, man, Salvation has come to this house. You see, Zacchaeus did all he could 
to change his life. And I don't think any of the things he did was easy. I don't know if it's easy to climb a sycamore tree, but I know he ran ahead. I do know, man, it's hard to give 50% of your income and your stuff away. That's really hard. I don't care who you are, how much money you have. That's a lot. It's a high percentage. And then, not just that, but now, on top of that, I'm going to now give back four times what I've stolen. And remember, how did they make their money? From stealing. So most of his income, most of his wealth came from robbing people. And he says, I'm going to give it back four times. I also notice something. He didn't wait till he was perfect to start following Jesus. He didn't say, well, I got to do all this stuff before I can now walk in, you know, walk in the light. He says, I'm going to change now. I'm going to follow you. And now here are some things. He did it all simultaneously. He did it all as a, as a progress to become transformed, to be like Jesus. But he didn't say, let me wait till I get some other things in, in order, in place, and then I'll make that change. Sometimes we think we have to be perfect before we start following Jesus. Sometimes we think we have to have it all figured out, all together, before we can make that commitment. I had a friend in high school who, and I asked her, I said, why aren't you, why aren't you baptized yet? Uh, we were, I was a junior or senior, she was a year or two younger than me, and she just said, well, I just don't have my life together yet. I said, Okay. <laughs> And, you know, none of us do. And she, and she pointed out a few of us who were some of the leaders in the youth group who, who were all going to go into ministry. And she said, y'all have it all figured out. I said, no, no, we don't. I said, we have our problems. We have our struggles. I said, we're just people. And for her, the fear of, I don't, I'm don't, I still have all these things wrong in my life. I have to fix them before I become a Christian. That's completely unbiblical. And I'm not talking bad about her. She's a wonderful person, and she's a wonderful Christian today. But that fear is so popular today, where man, I have to figure out everything before I can commit to Jesus. Really, when it's commit to Jesus and then become more like him. You have to start somewhere. And in fact, we'll never be perfect. Zacchaeus was never perfect. There was never a perfect person except for Jesus. So when we say, I got to figure out and get my life together before I become a Christian, is total nonsense. And I'm not trying to belittle anyone, but it's completely anti-scripture. Because without becoming a Christian, we can't become perfect. We will never be perfect until the final day of judgment, when on the day of judgment, Jesus says, I pay for their sin. They're perfect because they're covered in my blood. We'll be perfect on that day of judgment when we'll be glorified and be with him one day. But while on this earth, while we're still breathing, we'll never have it all figured out. So we have to start somewhere like Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus, and there's this quote I want you to remember. He stepped beyond mere agreement to definite action. He didn't just say, oh yeah, Jesus, I agree. I've done some bad things. Okay, thanks for the food. You know, I had a good meal with you. Uh, I'll see you later. He didn't do that. He didn't. And sometimes we like to say, yeah, I've not lived completely right. I have some things I have to work on. But I'm comfortable with where I am. Look at all these great things I am doing. I'll work on it later. No, he didn't. Sometimes we do that. 
But see, Zacchaeus stepped beyond mere agreement to definite action. I want you to remember that. We'll come back to that just a little bit. So what do we need to do? Well, here are the three things we have to do. And then uh, we'll close. And these will look familiar. We need to answer the call to go to Jesus. We need to answer the call to commit to change. And we need to answer the call to dedicate our lives to him. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Starting in verse 28. Jesus says this. He says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, there are going to be obstacles to following Jesus. It's going to be hard. But also, I would, I would, I would say this. Living a life without Jesus is a lot harder. Jesus says, hey, you're, you're trying hard and you've worked hard. But come to me and I will give you rest. He's saying, I'm calling out to you. If you come to me, you will have rest, maybe not on this life, but especially in the next. And he says, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, right? Answer my call, then learn from me, do the things that I'm doing. He goes, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And again, there's that, and you will find rest for your souls. What a, what a peaceful call. Now, the call is going to be difficult, too. Difficult to live like Jesus but I would say it's a whole lot harder to live without Jesus. And he's saying, come to me. Then once we've answered that call, then the call to change has to be answered. Let's go to some of Paul's writings in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes this, starting in verse 22. He, he tells us to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. It says, once you've said, I'm going to follow Jesus, you have to get rid of your old life. Zacchaeus, what did he do? He says, I'm not going to do my old way of life anymore. I'm going to give all this up to the needy. I'm going to pay back everybody. I'm not going to steal from anybody anymore. Paul's saying, put off your old self. Because that belongs to what? The, your old way of living. You're not living that way anymore. Verse 23 Here's what we should do. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So again, it's not just good enough to say, I'm no longer going to live this way. We have to do, I'm not living that way, but now I'm going to live this way. And I'm going to commit to not just stop what I'm not supposed to be doing, but I'm going to commit to completely change to do what I need to do to become more like Jesus. And then in the same chapter, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, show us about this dedication. Oops, I'm in chapter 3 now. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He says, you need to be dedicating yourself to walk like Jesus. You've been called, you need to answer and walk in a way that's worthy of that calling. Verse 2. Here's how to do that. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he goes on to do those, all those seven ones. 
But he's saying, answer the call. The call to Jesus, the call to change, but then the call to completely dedicate your lives to him and to walk in a, in a way that's worthy of those callings. And when we do that, we'll maintain that unity and the bond of, of peace. So this morning, if you haven't started your walk with Christ just yet, answer that first call. If you haven't been buried in the waters of baptism, to be raised in newness of life, to get rid of your old life, to start walking in newness of life, what are you waiting for? You don't have to wait to be perfect. You don't have to wait to fix other things in your life. That'll come through transformation throughout your whole life. But you have to start somewhere. And what a better place to start than by saying, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I know that I've sinned and I know what I have to do. And I need to be buried in the waters of baptism to contact his blood, to be cleansed and walk in newness of life. But whether you're baptized or, or you're not unbaptized at this point, here's that quote that I want you to, to remember. We're going to read back from it. And I found this from the teacher's commentary, and I thought it was just really good. So I'll read it. Never make the mistake of thinking that we are disciples simply because we agree what the Bible says or go to church. A disciple is a person beyond mere agreement to definite action. He has committed himself to do. It's not just about agreeing. It's about action. It's about obeying him. So my last question is, what have you committed yourself to do? If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.